0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 81 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Today's guest is Simone St. John. We talk about her career, the starts and stops that it has gone on, and the self-exploration and expansion that has subsequently followed. We're thankful for her, her presence tonight, and I hope you are as well. Today's unofficial sponsor is Barefoot Pinot Grigio. Take a walk. Dan? give us some war by the hypnotic brass ensemble. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's episode 81 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. We are going to try and plug away and work our way, just 19 more, to big 100. That's right. We're going for Wilt Chamberlain numbers here. Um, not those Wilt Chamberlain numbers, but 100 points in a game, that kind of thing. Get your minds out of the gutter, ghosties. I am back today with Simone St. John. Hi, Simone. Hi, Sam. How the heck are you?
1: I, I am I'm fabulous and ready to go.
0: Oh, that's Awesome. We, um, we are currently working on a show together. It's called The Crucible. We uh, talked last week with Jordan Lee, and uh, Simone is crushing three parts right now with an absolutely, if I may say, beautiful monologue. It's Rebecca Nurse. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Like, I really don't. Unless, like, you've got, like, legitimate fears about being out in the, in the pandemic world. I won't judge you for that. But if you've got a free evening and you want to go out, please put on your mask and come see us and show your vaccination card because that, that stuff is cool and awesome.
1: Or a free Sunday matinee.
0: Or a free Sunday matinee. Sunday yeah. matinees are free?
1: No, no, I mean like a free Sunday oh. for the matinee. Oh, yes. Right, 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 right.
0: Very true, she's, she's given you the, the more accurate schedule than I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Barefoot Pinot Grigio, the winner of Gold and Best in Class Awards for the 2016 International Women's Wine Competition. Barefoot, take a walk in the park. How was that? Was that a good little commercial right there? Is that really what it says? No, I added that little bit. Oh. Yeah, that was my own little segue right there. Take a walk in the park? Take a walk in the park, oh, good you job. know? Like that play.
1: Dude, you should do copywriting.
0: I really should do copywriting. I should do lots, Ooh, of, lots things. of things. Lots of things. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. I had to break up a fight today. <gasps> no way. Yeah, I'd break up a huge fight today. And like I was alone by myself out there on the field and I, I like. I've got a fight. I've got the walkie-talkie. I've got a fight. I've got a fight. <laughs> I'm on the blacktop. Assistance. I need assistance. I'm breaking them up for like five minutes before anyone realizes what's going on. And <laughs> you weren't f- that good at breaking them up if it took five <laughs> minutes. Well, no, I got them separated. I got them separated pretty quickly. But here's here's the two things that I learned. One, the winner and loser of a fight in middle school is never actually the loser, because both of these people that got into a fight were acting like they dominated the other person, all and right. I, I got news for them: you ain't do nothing. Someone got a scuff on their forehead, and that is it.
1: You didn't There'd determine no, a clear winner. There was no, there clear, was no winner. clear winner, and, okay. and
0: trust me, there's footage. <gasps> <laughs> there's footage of this altercation, and I'm sure it's already circulating around the social webs because there were too many phones to um, to intercept all of them. I don't know why I'm like wanting to share this story of my day, but I think this is what I'm trying to get at is I am in the film. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) I, uh, I gotta tell you sag is going to (laughs) be, is going to be sending DPS a letter um, of recompense. They're going to need to pay me for this, for my appearance in this film. It's a short film. It's mostly my back and, (laughs) and my, my, my lustrous hair, my lustrous hair and my, my little crack. (laughs) because you know, sometimes uh, the guy's belt doesn't work that well when he's got to go bend over two feet to break up four feet tall seventh graders. Dude,
1: so I have to wear suspenders as Francis in the play, and I think I may actually buy some because it seems like a really legit way to hold up your pants.
0: It's a great way to hold up your pants.
1: I don't know why we're not doing it more.
0: Life hack from the early centuries of... I don't know how ele- elastic works. I apologize. <laughs> I don't know how, back, how far back I wanted to go on that. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> Suspend- but we need suspenders. We yeah, need we suspenders. all need suspenders, especially especially your boy Sam. Um, if you want to see the video, I'll show it to you um, after the pod. How's that? Right on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying. And then I show up and it's kind of comical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, um, I want the ghosties at home to bear with me. My voice might get a little ragged. Um, as we continue going on, because I couldn't talk for like the next hour after that altercation. Anyway, Simone. Hi. Hi. Theater.
1: <clears throat> yes, sir. How did sir. it happen to you? Well, going back back into the old air caves. Mm. Um, so basically the school that I went to from pretty much second grade until... I graduated high school. We did plays and there was always something that I could be involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing we did was like a shadow puppet play. <clears throat> we had like students come from like, there was like a school in Chinatown and they came over and we did like shadow puppet play and all of that stuff. And um, But after that, basically, I just did plays every year um, and I did speech team and uh, I was like... I did a lot of student government positions. My voice sounds all scratchy. Mm -hmm. We did uh, student government positions and stuff. So I did a lot of public speaking, that kind of a thing. And it never really, I was talking to somebody about this, and it just, it never really was like a decision, Mm. like, I'm going to be an actor or whatever. Like, it just sort of was like, oh, this is what I do. Mm. Um, There was never like really like a pivotal moment. Um, And then I did a little bit in college, and then I moved out to Denver after college. Um, and that was when I got involved with theater. Like I knew by then that I wanted to do it. I did not apply to acting schools cause I was told, you know, acting isn't like a job, like go to a regular college, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, when I came out to Denver, I knew acting was what I wanted to do. And so I sought out some people and talked to them and stuff. And I had a really good run, uh, in, from like 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing, eight, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I guess that's how it started. That sounded boring. Go ahead. No. Simon, stop judging yourself.
0: No, okay. it's fine. I, what, I'm, <laughs> I'm only holding my face.
1: <laughs> okay, that's
0: fine. Yeah. Um,
1: this is my first podcast, you guys, so I'm a little bit nervous, okay?
0: There's, there's no reason to be nervous. Right. Um, have more barefoot Pinot Grigio. Take a walk with me. Take a a walk. Yeah. All right. Cheers. 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 Okay. Um, Where, where was the school at? Where were you working at with that school?
1: No, no. When I was in school, I went to Milton Academy in Boston.
0: Oh, in Boston. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and was, did you notice like a difference in shift of like practices when you came from Boston to Denver? Was it something different about the East coast that you, that stuck out to you?
1: um, Well, I mean this, the, The only production that I did really when I was in college that I remember was a a friend of mine had a theater company, and she did something outside. So it was outside of college for me, basically. Um, That was a pretty good production. I had a really unique time because when I got to Denver, I linked up with Shadow Theater, which was run by Jeffrey Nicholson um, at the time, and... I, you know, when people talk about like the golden age and, or whatever, and like that they got in on something at the right time, like I, to, to have been able to be a part of shadow theater, uh, was absolutely amazing. I mean, the, the, we would, we would have the plays and then we would go out to dinner after the camaraderie, the friendship, the support, um, all of the the lessons I learned and everything like that, it was just an amazing experience mm-hmm. being there. So I don't even know that, like, I have a good sense of, like, what theater is for other people because mm. basically I think I had done, like, three, four, four different things with Shadow Theater, like, within a year. Mm. Um, and it was just an absolutely amazing experience. I've never really had anything like it again Um so it it doesn't, my first stint in Denver doesn't really have the ability to be compared to anything else, mm-hmm. just because that experience for me was just, it was family, mm. like true family, you know, kind of a thing. Um,
0: was that important for you as part of like being involved in theater? Was like a connection to something bigger than that? Bigger than yourself, I should say?
1: Um. You know, I,
0: I... Or were you I, not actively seeking it?
1: I wasn't actively seeking it. It just sort of fell. It just it, it just came with it, mm. you know? It's like, you know, when you buy stuff from Amazon and they throw in it like a surprise and you're like, oh my God, thanks, a search protector, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like that kind of a thing. Like it just was thrown in and I was like, this is great and useful. But um, I never expected that from theater. I just thought theater was like, you go there, you do your craft and then you leave, mm. you know? Um, so, yeah, no, that wasn't anything that I expected, nor do I really expect it when I go into other theater experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it does happen, uh, it feels nice, mm-hmm. you know? I think, like, what we're doing right now at Miner's Alley, that the, some of the relationships and, and stuff like that feel good. It feels like the sort of nice, everybody's really, you know, kind and fun and we joke and and that kind of a thing. So there's mm-hmm. that sort of element of it. Um, and that felt like balm to my soul, you know, a little bit too as well. Um, yeah.
0: Nice. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, Jeffrey Nichols, Nicholson? Nicholson. Sorry. It, I was briefly introduced to him as he was leaving an event early in my career. Wow. And then shortly after he he passed. So I was never able to make like, he was literally like walking out the door with family and they're like, oh, Sam, that's Jeffrey. Yeah. Nicholson. And he was like, oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> and he waved at me. Very nice. And walked out the door. And then, you know, unfortunately, he's 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 not with us. He's not working with us. anymore. Yeah. What was what were some of your experiences with him? What was the like working with him?
1: Um, <clears throat> He was he was he was he okay let me let me me, there's just so much to him he was very charismatic uh really smart and very um organized and focused so when you got to rehearsals like he had everything blocked Mm -hmm. like you know we were blocked really early so we were able to play and you know have our experiences as actors um he because he was also an actor and like a really good director, he had the ability to really give you guidance mm. in, in what needed to be done. And he just wore a lot of of hats. He's one of those people that uh is multifaceted in his skill. His, his skill um, set. Set set. That's the word. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That three-letter word just evaded me. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um yeah. So he was just multifaceted mm. uh in that regard. Um, and you know, I really do think that I had some of my best acting because of, because he was my director. Mm. Um, you know, he, he had a way of understanding like how I worked. He knew that like, I was very cerebral and like, we needed to like, get me out of that and more into my body and more into the experience. Mm. Um, so he really just was a, a gem to work with. Anybody that got to work with him, you know, would be able to to vouch mm. for that. Um, but just talented all around and really good with, with people, really good manner. And he was the hub of shadow theater for all of us. You know, mm. he'd be the one we would go out to, and the places aren't even there anymore. We used to go out to, so I think it's now called like, I don't know if it's called Annie's, but we used to go out to what used to be, what is Annie's now, I think good friends? was good friends. Oh, so we used to go friends. out to good friends. Uh, sometimes we would go to satire, mm. um, you know, and just have that. And it would be a bunch of us, you know, and you would just be talking and eating and having fun and all of that stuff. So, mm. but you know, he was the the core of that. Like we never went and did those things like without Jeffrey. Jeffrey was the, was the mm. hub of all of that. And so he had really good people skills um, as well. And, uh, he just had, you know, an amazing vision. Um, I remember him telling me uh, that he 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 was in Denver and there really weren't opportunities for um, black people. Mm-hmm. And I guess it had come to him, and I don't know if these are the correct words, So, but it was something like it had come to him one day when he was in the shower where it was like, become that which you seek, meaning that... He needed to create what it was that he was seeking, mm-hmm. and so he, you know, in his opening speech, he would always say, "You know, I started the theater company with five hundred dollars and a dream," mm. and his dream gave the opportunity for many black actors to actually be able to act in things where you weren't just playing a slave. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we had actual like real life things that were going on. I remember I did a, a show. Uh, It was a two-person play with uh, Q, with Cotisse Tarkington, and um, uh, it was called Plenty of Time, and it just ran us through, like, decades of us coming together and having this love that, like, couldn't quite work. But um, it was just an experience that you were watching humanity. He He had this thing about doing theater that was about the heart of humanity. So it wasn't like the stereotype of like what black people are isolated to is like was was human here Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that was something that um i really really enjoyed and and it is a huge vacuum i think to not have shadow theater but shadow theater was jeffrey yeah you know and so it cannot really be recreated without him i mean there could be a facsimile of it or whatever but not Mm -hmm. the same thing
0: yeah, you'd you'd wanna try and maybe build off of that dream
1: mm-hmm.
0: nowadays, I would think, without like being disrespectful to the to the work and the, the time put into Shadow Theater. Yeah. Find a nice way to like celebrate it while expanding on it without before I start getting redundant. When you talk about the pieces that were selected, uh, Plenty of Time, which you referenced, um, were these plays that were, like, had a playwright that specifically delineated who should be cast? Or were these, like, I mean, for an example, we were doing The Crucible, and he would just cast who his best actors were.
1: Right. Okay, so say your, so what was your question? So I guess
0: I mean would you I mean were, was he selecting scripts that had delineations on races and races into her to terms of who's playing what? Uh, or was he colorblind or
1: Is the, I I don't I don't actually rem, remember. Mm-hmm. Um you know, most of the m- most of the pr- the productions I was in was a predominantly black yeah. cast, you yeah. know, he was creating this opportunity mostly mm-hmm. for black people there were some white actors that were there um whether the plays i mean um as far as i know i think plenty of time was written for uh two was written for two black people Mm -hmm. um and i think the other ones that i did uh for queens no trump waiting to end hell uh those were all um i think those were all supposed to be black people but it wasn't um they had other they had they had other layers to them that were human that mm-hmm. people could connect to. Absolutely. and that's what I yeah. really
0: appreciated. I think one of the things too that I when I when I'm when I hear you talk about this, you are talking about this human connection, something mm-hmm. that all, everyone can find something in, is that these stories while they may be specifically written for black people to perform them, Mm -hmm. these are stories that everyone has a taste of in their life, no matter who, like what color they are, what what nationality. Now, obviously, there are some things that are specific, right? Like we would, I mean, unfortunately, a, a, a pocket of people have been marginalized since are say a country's inception mm-hmm. put in specific boxes told to fill specific roles and that is like limiting in terms of scope mm-hmm. and how we utilize them mm-hmm. um but there're still people who have full lives full rich lives mm-hmm. even in the boxes that we force them into mm-hmm. and it's it, it it is a shame mm-hmm. that we don't have something that was as prominent as shadow was when i got started mm. nowadays mm-hmm. now i know there are theater companies out there that are that are trying mm-hmm. pushing for this this shift or pushing for their material to be shared but i know when i got out of college when i got my degree shadow was was well respected and big mm-hmm. and then shortly after it, it you know went away unfortunately and mm-hmm. that's 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 a real shame mm-hmm. When you look at your career sense shadow, do you feel like you were subjected to those limited limited in in scope roles, if that makes sense? Um
1: you know, I I had a lot of time where I wasn't actively doing theater uh or stage performances Um, I, I would, I would say generally no. Okay. Um, but that may also just be because, um, I don't necessarily want to, uh, attach that narrative to myself mm-hmm. and have it become some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall, uh, n- no, I mm-hmm. don't think so.
0: That's, that's awesome. Yeah. When you talk about um, the process in terms of like, Jeffrey, like working at you getting a little more somatic more mm-hmm. with your body, um, how, was that something that you worked on throughout that process and, and, and carried with you to now? Like, how would you define your process? <laughs> and if you can when you drink your wine put your pinky in the air okay oh, as you okay. talk about this
1: sure yeah. um uh i i think this actually my struggle as an actor is that i don't have a process mm. really i like i didn't i didn't go to acting school um i so i i sort of envy people that you know I'll watch them, and I know they've gone to acting school. They'll be doing their exercises and their warm-ups and all the different things, and I'm like, I don't know any of that stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And like, and so there's that whole thing. I don't have that kind of toolbox, but I'm, I'm finding my way, and my journey has not been straightforward. So I feel like it was good when I was younger, then there's a space of time where I didn't do anything. Mm. Then um, the play that I did in 2016 happened when my dad was dying. Mm. So I had gone to Barbados to see my dad. Then I opened this the show, and I had to go see my dad. I'd made the decision to go see my dad when I had a window of maybe like four days or something like that in Barbados, and then he died right after the show. So then I went to the funeral. And then I didn't do another play, I think, for like two, three years. Mm. And um, when I got to, this, to the next play that I did, uh, I was just... Locked up emotionally, compl- mm. just numb, could did couldn't access anything. It was scary for me. Mm. I felt like um, I felt like, like I would be on stage and I would be saying the line, not in the actual production, but in the rehearsals. I would be saying the lines, and it would be like it f- sounded to me like I was acting like a bad actor. Mm. And, like, I'm already in my head enough as it is. And that just was, like, this, like, echo upon itself in my head. And I was like, oh, Jesus, you know? Mm. Um, And uh – so that particular play then became this thing where I had to I was like a chicken in the egg like just trying to break out of whatever that was and I started to realize that I needed to be more communicative in life in general I needed to allow myself to express emotions it needed to be okay for me to cry whether or not that was something that was considered acceptable uh, in my upbringing or not like mm-hmm. I needed to be able to have the full range of expression as a human mm-hmm. um, and also so that I can also bring this on stage I, I can't be this locked up you know like I can't I don't I don't know if I should touch you I don't know if I mm-hmm. what I could do blah, blah, blah and like being all like that and then expect to go on stage and be this expanded brilliant being mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. there was a process that unraveled me in that play and so now here at uh, Minors Alley, in this particular performance, what I have, what I have been able to do in this performance, and it is still to my consideration not um, uh, I could be better, I could do more, it could be fan- more fantastic than what it is right now. But what it is right now mm-hmm. is the, the fact that I'm able to access the range of emotions I'm able to access in this play. Is amazing to me given how numb i recognized myself to be in the previous production mm-hmm. um that i had done and now i have completely forgotten what your initial question was oh my trajectory right so my trajectory wasn't a smooth one mm-hmm. <laughs> neither was my life but that's beside the point that's another podcast sam um, <laughs> we've
0: got time no we don't we don't have enough <laughs> barefoot though that's anyway, true. barefoot, um, take a walk. Anyway. But
1: yeah, so the 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 tra- my trajectory was not was not a straight line. But I bow to the, I bow to the grace of the trajectory because it was human. Mm. You know, for me to just it would be cool for me to be like, well, I did I did stuff when I was a kid and in high school and I went to acting school and then I got these plays and I've just been evolving ever since and I'm in my body and it's really great and mm. like you know I got all these techniques you know and like all this like I'd love to be able to do that and mm. say that. But on the other hand, this is real. Yeah. This is real. I had, a, I had, a, I had a, a parent that died that I was not prepared for that, even though I totally thought I would be. you know, I had no idea that I had locked up on my emotions. I had no idea mm-hmm. I wasn't being communicative. I didn't know that the way I was living my life would also affect my craft, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I learned all of that. And so for me now, this is, minor's Alley really is, uh, me being able to witness my rebirth. I'm sure mm. there was a rebirth that was happening while yeah. I was doing the play previous to this, sure. but I can now experience my rebirth because I can feel that I can tap into a range of emotions that were I, I didn't even know I could do anymore. Absolutely. You know?
0: Well, it's like um, like when when a when an egg is h- delivered, it starts to hatch. The the chick inside like breaks the shell. And now you're out of the shell. Mm-hmm. Like there's two, there's stages to this because it's a process for the chick to break out. I mean, obviously it's got to, and once it it does, it, it does take its time before it's on its legs and before it can fly. Right. There's, there's, there's a process to all this. Like as you were saying, like what you experienced, what your your career trajectory was like, it is definitely life. I mean, this is what happens. Like, it, I I got into acting. Like full time when I was 27, while I was surrounded by people in college who were 20, 22, and looking at New York like this is where we go, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, I'll, I'll audition once I got a day job, mm-hmm. and the, I've been doing that grind since then. Mm-hmm. And it's it, there's definitely been times where I've taken time off and reevaluated. The ghosties at home could tell you um, <laughs> the all the time I take to describe my career. Um, on my podcast, I should probably hand it off to my, my guests more, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but it, yeah, I, I think, I think what you're describing is an individual's artistic path is that individual's artistic path and it is not a microcosm nor an example of how it should go or what it is like. Right right it is it is a, it's an individual's experience. And I think what you're describing is really important to be heard by other actors is there are there I mean we all we always say that I mean, we shouldn't necessarily use our craft as a means of like therapy, fixing things right. But it can be useful to point out those things. I mean, we talked about this last week a little bit with Jordan and never talked about it with other actors on this pod and just, you know, sharing a beverage together or bumping into them, or what have you. There are certain things that we learn about ourselves more clearer in a rehearsal process or a moment on stage under the lights when there's audiences there that we would not have experienced otherwise had it not been for the work itself. Yeah. When you look at this rebirth process, Um, both artistically and as a person, as Simone, what are some of the things that you, you believe are the most beneficial to your expansion?
1: Stepping into the fullness of who I am, knowing that the fullness of who I am is not a prescribed path. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a lot of my life, I used to be really, really, really frustrated that like, I used to be like, God, why could I just not be a doctor or a lawyer or like somebody with a prescribed path that I, you know... And I'm sure that, you know, doctors and lawyers are like, "It, it doesn't feel prescribed to me, but like, you know, whatever. But like something like that, why couldn't I just be like normal? Because in addition to in addition to acting there's also a spiritual side of me that is you know uh, completely outside of the traditional box as well mm-hmm. so i had to come to terms with that and be okay with expressing that side of myself i had to be okay with um, expressing uh, even my even my accent for example there was a, so mm-hmm. for a long time so i came to america when i was in, when i was 7 mm-hmm. And when I got to school, people couldn't they couldn't necessarily understand me or they would say, say that again. And I guess just by because of who I am and how I am, I learned very quickly how to change my accent. So mm-hmm. if you had met me two, three years ago, I would be talking to you, or two years ago probably, I'd be talking to you in what I consider my American accent, which I still have to use for auditions, but mm-hmm. um, in my what I call my American accent. And then there was one day where I was looking at um, – a video that I had done on Facebook and I was watching it and I was hearing this American accent come out and looking at my face. And I was like, these things it's incongruent. And I made a decision that day. I was like, I'm going to speak in my accent and I speak in my accent, like with my family and stuff, but I do the switch as soon as I'm in front of somebody that I know is not from the islands. I, you know, go into American and now it's actually become a little harder for me to try to like switch into American. Um, but it's I made that decision uh, to go into my my native voice, and there's a difference in like if I have to act mm. in my American voice, the the range of emotion, the way I handle things, my gestures are different mm. than if I'm in my native voice. Mm. And that was fascinating for me to learn as well. I also went through the process of. Uh, no longer chemically straightening my hair and going natural. Mm. That was a whole thing for me. So um, t- Sam, take me back to the question because you know how I get off track. What was the question again?
0: What I mean, I guess it's the the things that you you deemed vital in your expansion.
1: Right. See how far off we got, kids? No. Um, the things that I deemed vital. Basically, it, it, it the crux of it was being authentic to myself and to my truth, understanding mm. that... Um, I no longer uh, wanted to fit in and that I no longer wanted to settle and that I what I wanted is what I wanted and I will wait until I get what I want. Um, and that um, uh, I think this this, this probably really the, the, the core of it was just finally, like I think is only now in this year that I've started to like make friends with myself, mm. where I've started to be like, all right, I kind of dig this cat. All right, cool, you know, mm-hmm. like, and and I'm cool with it, you know, and yeah. and like, is this whole like exploration for me now of myself? I had there was so many, but this is about life. I yeah. mean, there were so many things. It was like, you know, watching people get married and they have the kids and they've got the four hundred one k and all that stuff, and I'd be looking around and I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm single and I don't don't have any kids and I was a 401k and Jesus Christ. You know, like, Mm. it's just I didn't have any of these things. And then all of a sudden I realized, dude, I don't even care if I get married. Dude, I don't even want kids. Dude, uh," you know, like, it's just started to realize, like, what was for me, what is, what was societally sort of Mm. we just kind of take with us and, like, And don't ever look in the bag that we're given and be like, do I even want this? Yeah. yeah. You know? And so for me, this period of time is more like, what do I, what do I want? You know, Mm -hmm. how do I want to feel? And I've started to really dig into this idea of success equals feeling good Mm. because I have been you know, I remember there was one time where I was going really well. I was doing all this stuff to make myself feel good. And I hit like a patch of like two months where I could not get myself to feel good. And I realized I was like, and I think it was just to have the lesson. I realized I was like, dude, the most precious thing we have is feeling good. Yeah, this is the most precious thing. Like it, does, it doesn't matter if you get the car and the house and the dude and the this and the that. Like it's like, can you feel good in all of it? because I could have all the stuff and still not feel good. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my litmus test right now is how do I feel and do I feel good? Mm -hmm. And that is like my measure of success. And that for me now is uh, tied to my authentic self and being that fully. and it's okay. Like, it's still sort of like, if I find out somebody doesn't like me, it's there's still that weird, like, oh, geez, but like, why don't they like me? You know, like mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. And then I'm like, shut up, Simone. But like, other than that, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Family Guy, where they're always like, shut up, Meg. Yeah, <laughs> So anyway, exactly. um, that's what I do to myself sometimes. Shut up, Simone. Um, <laughs> so like, I do that kind of a, of a... I will
0: not fart in your face, Simone.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I do that kind of a thing, but... Overall, I realized like, I need to be good with myself. I need to f- feel like I am the full expression mm. of myself, regardless of if you don't like it, regardless of if you don't understand it. Mm. That's okay, because I have to put my head on the pillow at night. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I answered your
0: question. No, you absolutely did. Thanks. One of the things that stuck, stuck out to me when you talk about this, this bag of things that we're given Sold, packaged. There's the the list of metaphors go on. And and excuse me, I would be remiss if I wasn't hosting a podcast the week of Halloween. It's like Halloween. It's like going trick or treating. We put on this costume. We put on this presentation of what we think is cool or what speaks to us. Maybe you know. I don't want to. I don't want to defame everyone that dresses up on Halloween. But we 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 put on this outfit. We we hold on to this bag and we go up to these houses and and we just say the quote that we're given. And we just we we don't even care what they put in there. We don't even look at sometimes. And then we get home and we dump it up onto the floor and it's someone put a fucking apple in there. Oh man. And I'm like, this is Halloween. I want Reese's peanut butter cup or I want a milk dud. And what I'm trying to get at here is I like get lost Snickers. Yeah. I want a Snickers. Who doesn't want it? Peanuts, caramel, creamy nougat, and
1: not the little one-inch kind. At no. least the fun size. Come yeah, on, yeah. kids. But no,
0: definitely. We're, we're we're not we're not doing the little bites of Snickers here. This is Halloween. If it's not a fun size or a full bar, you done screwed up. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll tell you great places to go trick or treating. You want to go in the Cherry Creek neighborhood. You want to go in the Pearl Street neighborhood on the other side of I twenty five and Pearl near Wash Park. Okay, <laughs> take your kids there. It's going to be worthwhile. Anyway, but it, it's. It's a, it's this presentational thing that we try to live up to is what I'm what I'm getting at. Like mm-hmm. there's a, it's this great day we get to dress up, and we and some of us see that as our lives. Like mm-hmm. we, I got to show up in this particular way in order to accomplish A, B, and C, and if I don't show up this way, I will not have those things. And then we start to judge our life according to those things without ever asking ourselves what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask an awesome follow-up question and I'm trying to talk now to Phil in order, I, in order so I can find it. What are some of the things, I found the question, Simone, that you like about yourself right now? Do we have time, Sam? Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> I mean, we've got a whiteboard wall here so we can write them down. Then we can <laughs> no, like break it kidding. down. Yeah.
1: Um, at this stage in the game, I like, I like my transparency. I like my honesty. I like the ability to that I'm able to communicate vulnerably with people. Um I like that I understand that you can give people the behind the scenes of what's going on with you mm-hmm. and and like not feel ashamed about it because you're just a human. Um and I've leaned a lot into that and that's very freeing. Um I like that I know my truth. I like that I trust my intuition. I like that um, I see the beauty in people. Um, I like that I never go down. In other words, I'm like, you know, one of those things that like you fill with sand and you punch it and it comes back up. Like regardless of if I've gone down, like I know that there's something in me that's gonna pull me back up. Like I had a rough, to end of 2020, going into the beginning of 2021. Mm. And, uh, but even so, I knew I was like, you're going to get back up. Mm-hmm. Like, so even though it felt like dark and it was like, oh my God, what is happening here? Um, and that's the voice I use when I'm in darkness. That's mm-hmm. what is happening here. Um, even though it felt dark, it was like, I knew I was going to bounce back up. I just knew that about myself because I'm always striving to to be better to be more fully realized to be more free mm-hmm. um of the things that I feel needlessly bind me or that you know that kind of a thing so i think those are the things that i really like about myself they're all like intangible things you know they're it's it's not that i have like a car or an mm-hmm. apartment it's n- none of those things it's it's all of these intangible things that i like about myself mm-hmm. um, so that is where I am right
0: now, no, it's great, yep. I mean, when you were talking about finding those things I was I felt like that was a the question I wanted to get at it's so off so rarely do we actually say those things out loud, or at mm-hmm. least i i I don't feel like I give my my peoples the people that are around me the the airspace to Announce those things. Say them mm-hmm. out loud. Dan, put the phone down. Question for you. Dan what, getting you called sir, out. Dan, what do you like about yourself? I'm really good looking. Hell yes. This is a hard one for me because <laughs> I. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, I. I'm generally a, a pretty optimistic person. Oh yeah. Um. I. I see good in people, and I kind of treat other people with the benefit of the doubt a lot of times, and Mm -hmm. I like that about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I like my sense of humor, which I know is terrible, (laughs) 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 which you can attest to. It it wasn't always terrible. (laughs) There was a time... A dark time before the dawn, where you are actually quite pleasant to be around. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I would, I would, I would, I would agree with all those things. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. Um, Sam, what do you like about yourself? Well, I am loyal. I'm a grinder. I've always been, um, like, put my nose down and just get the job done, kind of thing. I always like to think I can fix everything, which often gets in my way. Mm but there's a there's there's a hard there's a hard working thing that i've i've latched on to probably because i was told that that's what men did men were loyal and <laughs> oh men ain't shit anyway <laughs> but i was I, I, I would read romance novels and the, the 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 protagonist the hero was always loyal Um, Wore low-hanging pants, like jeans, so you could see that nice V going down. I I, I told you, I read romance novels, (laughs) so maybe not the best example of of what men should be, Um, but maybe also the best thing. Um, Yeah, just hardworking, loyal, put other people first. I have an awesome dog. I I like talking in front of a microphone. I've got a cool podcast and a nice radio voice. I like barefoot Pinot Grigio take a walk (laughs) but yeah it's i've had to i've been i've one of the reasons why i asked you that question simone is i've been asking myself that as we've closed this last week of performances and stuff that i've been doing a lot of introspection and so it's 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 cool to hear kind of your philosophy and your, your your birth of that stuff When you talk about, I'm now bringing the scope of our conversation back towards theater, you talk about the different hats you have to wear in auditions. Do you find that limiting and does that frustrate you when you have to put on your accent to show up for an audition for, say, you know, Harvard graduate Joan Phillips (laughs) or whatever?
1: Um... I mean, I also accept that it is like the nature of the beast. I mean, you get like a minute to show yourself, and if they hear me talking like this, they they're not going to realize that. Oh, she can also do an American accent, and like however many other voices. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm I'm aware of the limitations of the audition process itself. Um, Sometimes I do wish that I could just show up the way that I am just because it feels more comfortable and natural to me at mm. this point in the game. Um, but like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't mad, you mm-hmm. know? I ain't mad at it, yeah. you know? I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is what it, what it is. Um, and uh, when I get the opportunity to speak in my accent, like when it doesn't matter if mm. somebody speaks American or not, then um, I just usually ask if that's cool, and they say, yeah, and I do that, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. I just, you know, I just did a, a play reading and um, a Zoom play reading, and and I asked uh, if I could just speak in my accent um, outside of the other accent that I had to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they were like, yeah, it's totally fine, you know, so I did that, and it mm-hmm. was cool. So it's just kind of the the nature of of the... The nature of the beast and i i get it you know
0: you've made your peace with it yeah, yeah
1: you know um is this is a strange is a strange uh is a strange sort of industry and and you know you end up putting yourself under a microscope and stuff like i've started recently because like everybody in the play has like this long straight hair and so then I'm looking at myself. I'm like, Simone, maybe you should like put some chemical relaxer back in that, you know, and get it straight again. You know, mm. there's that thing. But then there's something that I recognize that is grounding to me about having my natural hair. I, this, that is, I can't explain it. There's nothing scientific to it. Mm. But I just know there's something different for me in having my actual natural hair. So um, there's that kind of thing. There's, you know, body comparison stuff that I do and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a hard. It's not for the faint of it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, and mm. I'm now hitting the age where, you know, if I see myself in certain ways like I just got cast. I just did a, a, a um <laughs> I just did a commercial and oh. uh somebody played my younger self. Oh. Like I remember there was a time when I started to get cast. Like I used to get cast like, you know, the young vixeny or whatever person that kind of a thing mm-hmm. and then there was a, a stage in my life where I started getting auditions for mom roles mm-hmm. it was like new no. and like now I just did a commercial where somebody is like my younger self <laughs> and I was like oh jesus you know but like that is something that in this game I'm having to learn to like age to like be okay with age and mm-hmm. thank God I don't have money yet because I probably would, you know, look all plastic by now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I would have been like, I need fillers here and a tuck here and a pullback here, you know.
0: They should never give me money, yeah.
1: But I mean, hopefully by the time I get the money, I'll be grounded enough to be like, just a little bit of filler, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> just a little
0: <laughs> yeah. bit. Exactly, yeah, so. exactly. Um, Can you just uh, crop out all of my top top, <laughs> top part of my butt? <laughs> so that doesn't show up on, on, on basically on can you just Snapchat?
1: CGI me over Halle Berry thanks yeah. I appreciate it
0: CGI me over Jason Momoa mm, dude. what a snack what a snack dude. right dude right on have you, have you, have you, have you seen I mean, him have, in Dune without his beard Hello? without his beard he did not have a beard and I was like kind of looks pudgy but he still looks amazing wow I'm gonna have yeah. to google it, that it, it makes you know Jason Momoa has always struck me as a guy that like, likes to play rough but is always a cuddler afterwards
1: <laughs> I mean you can tell what he's I you say? can tell he's he's sweet. You can tell he's got a he's sweet He's
0: a, a very sweet nice guy. Um speaks multiple languages. Oh, does he? I did yeah. not know he was a polyglot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's I think he's ripped. He's got uh, got some awesome tattoos if you're into that sort of thing. Looks like a bad boy. Mhm. Probably rides a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. He's an Aquaman. He, mm-hmm. can, he can breathe underwater.
1: Dude, I wrote I rode a motorcycle <laughs> with someone, and oh. I but I didn't know about the exhaust pipe. So I have a scar now on oh, the you inside. Got burned. Yeah, oh, no. dude, I got burned. The pigment yeah. is slowly coming in. But yeah.
0: Let's see, that's why that's why whenever I'm on the back of uh my main man's hog, I wear my leather pants. Ah, uh. Yeah, it's uh, it's important you you wear leather. Yeah, um, or yeah. denim. Yeah. something something. Yeah, no,
1: I mean never again with shorts on. Yeah, I don't know who
0: yeah. I was. I I learned the hard way. I was wearing some some short shorts one day. Short shorts like Daisy back. Dukes. Yeah. All right. Um, because I cut them off. You know, I had these I had this spare pair of jeans that I wasn't wearing. I was like, go no, know, just Cut those short and like you know show off show out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, crazy denim Friday. Um, I don't know if that's a real thing, but don't it should be. Don't hate the be. player. Go ahead. I hate the game. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I was, on the, I was on the back of Dan's hog and just uh, cruising down Leedsdale uh-huh. as I was, and uh, I, I can't, I on my on my calves, I can't grow hair anymore because um, I burned them so much. Oh, no, I'm kidding. This was all just a rib. Oh, just, okay. Yeah, it was all just a. All right, cool. Yeah,
1: cool. You Sorry. had me. Yeah. Good acting. This is the kind of acting you guys can experience at Miners Alley Playhouse. That's
0: right. Come see the Crucible, starring Sam Gilstrap as Giles Corey. Every every. Go oh, it's good. Every it's good.
1: Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at seven PM. And at, Sundays no, at two. Se- sorry, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday at seven thirty, and Sundays at two.
0: That's right. Um, get your tickets now and come see the thing. Anyway, moving moving right along. What's your favorite snack food? Like you get home after a show, you're not ready to go to bed. You want to snack on something. What did you buy just for this occasion?
1: You know, I have to say. Sam, that I really wasn't sure what I was going to be most impressed with, with Mm. this podcast, but the fluidity of your segues, right? I mean, God, um, my favorite snack, Mm -hmm.
0: especially when Dan takes out the air between me asking the question (laughs) (laughs) and my last (laughs) random statement. Um, wow, Sam is good at this.
1: So, I, I mean, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm not following any of the rules, is mm. a container of Oreo Minis yes, poured Christ. into a bowl yes. with your choice of milk, I choose soy milk. Oh. And you eat it like
0: cereal. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Are you familiar with the chocolate chip cookie cereal that's been out there?
1: That's been out there for ages. Yeah, yeah. Is it any good?
0: Oh, no, it doesn't taste like Anything. a chocolate like a chip cookie Yeah, so you at all. just
1: buy the Chips Ahoy Mini and do the same thing.
0: Life hacks with Simone. That's right. Mm-hmm. Nice. I support that 110%. I know you do. hmm Well, another thing that she likes about herself, mini cookies and cereal. That's, That's right. That's her idea. You're welcome, America. You're welcome. That's right. Ghosties, pay attention. As you look at your future in performance... Do you think about that at all? And if you do, what are some of the things that you want to have grow?
1: Uh, I want to do film.
0: Mm. Didn't you just get cast in one?
1: I did, Sam. I did. Well, thank you for remembering, Sam. I so appreciate you.
0: Yes, I did. Um,
1: But uh, yeah, no, I'd like to do film. There's something about it where... I don't know. I think I just like the idea of the intimacy of it. I like the idea of the camera angles. I like the idea of like doing it until you get what looks right and then like freezing it and capturing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't have I don't really have any much experience with it, but it's just something that's always called to me um that's really what i thought i would be doing i mean if you had caught me as a kid doing my oscar speech like clearly i thought i was going to be in film Mm -hmm. so um yeah nice
0: what what is it that's drawing you to film um what challenges do you see there where do you think you can grow in that type of performance
1: Interesting, Sam. Very interesting. I, I don't.
0: I feel like ill prepared for some of these questions. Hey, so. no, it's the. Uh, I got me, her right where me. I want her. She's backing up. I got her on the road. Hold ropes. on, I'm,
1: I'm gonna have to, cr- have to cross my legs differently now Ooh, for this one. Nice. She one went second. from Left to right this time. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right, kids. Um, I think the again, I think it is the intimacy and the nuance of. The actions, like there's a way in which when you're zoomed out on stage, yeah. you know, there's a huge stage, people don't necessarily get to see all the different nuancy things that you're, that you're doing or cooking up or whatever. Um, but I like that idea of you can't hide from the camera, you know? Mm-hmm. And so all of it has to be there. You have to really inhabit the whole thing. And I'm also fascinated with the idea of the awkwardness of it because sometimes you're actually just looking at a camera and mm-hmm. you're doing all of this stuff like is intended to be looking at somebody, but I'm just staring into the lens of a camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of fascinated by the the challenge of that because it becomes this whole interior thing to me. So even like the play reading that I just did, um, uh, it, what was fascinating to me was like I had to look at the camera. So it was a Zoom reading. And so the guy was like on my screen but because I had to look directly at the camera so it looked a little more believable and that was a choice that I made, I couldn't really see specifically what he was doing. Mm. And, like, it was fascinating to me to have to keep all of that up and keep m- myself going despite not being able to see his full response to what was to what was happening. Um, and I think, in general, there's... Um, you know, plays plays are great. You get to have that live experience and stuff. But I feel like there's also, for me, kind of a way of, like, there's a lot of times to do this, the thing over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a way in which I kind of wish, like, we could have been recording, like, five different shows. And then, like, the excerpts of, like, the best parts were put together in mm. that kind of a... Of a way, but I think it's just a new challenge for me, honestly, because I have no idea. I really don't know much about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a new horizon. And I think it's, um, you know, you you always want something that feels different to you. I mean, I'm sure if I had to do a Broadway play, that would be like a huge new horizon, because I don't know how they do that. Mm. But that would still be within the same vein of the things that I have done. Mm -hmm. And so this is just, you know, this new frontier. For me, And I'm curious how it goes. And I find, much to my surprise, oftentimes when I see myself on camera, I am less judgmental of myself than I thought I would be. Um, because uh, for whatever reason, I feel like I look better on camera than I do in person. Mm. Um, so I think that helps. So I am able to watch what I've done and kind of have a sense of appreciation for it Mm -hmm. at times um which i don't get on stage Mm because when i'm on stage you see me i i leave and i'm like was it okay i don't know you know
0: yeah well i mean i I think it is helpful definitely to have like that for lack of a yeah the feedback but the that lens that is no pun intended yeah no pun intended (laughs) yeah where it's i mean to bring up another sports analogy on my theater podcast, something I'm very good at doing, is uh, reviewing the film, like going back to the tape and like, oh, interesting take there. Can we try that again and then this time, instead of going this direction at this moment, let's try this thing. Right. Yeah, I think that, and, and it's not to say that you can't do that or don't have that option to do that in like a live stage thing, but like if it's the performance, like we know, okay, this is opening night, There's a different energy. And I feel like that energy is going to be present when you are shooting a film right from the start because depending on your director, if you're working with Clint Eastwood, you've got maybe three chances to get that scene (laughs) because he's going to be done. Mm -hmm. Now you're working with um, Fincher. You could be doing this one scene from this angle 88 times. I hope you got the stamina.
1: (laughs) I think there's just something, and I, I don't have any, I don't really have any, beyond all of the things that I said, I don't have any other reason for it other than to say, I feel like I'm supposed to be on film.
0: Ah, that's great. Do you have that awareness, like that's something that you feel is give, being given to you? Yeah, that energetic pull?
1: Yeah, that, mm. that, it feels, it feels like that would, it feels like that would feel like home- to me.
0: Mm. Are you thinking about a move?
1: Nah, dude, nah. nah.
0: Nah. Nah. There you go.
1: I gotta come back for the hundredth podcast, man. You know yeah, what you I mean? Yeah, you do gotta I come gotta back be. for the hundred for the Hundy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Come on. I'm gonna uh, that is a good idea, Dan. We just bring back some of our favorite guests. Simone, you got the first invitation. And we just uh, we it's just an hour of blue material with our favorite guests. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for your chiming in. <laughs> you mean... You, no, you mean, Dan, you, you had your chance. You, you go, go relax in your recliner over there. You mean we got we to gotta get like 30 people for five minutes and we record everybody just... Yeah, I hope you got the mics. ...telling us how great we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and how much of a good time they had <laughs> on our yeah. podcast. Now, now that you say that out loud, it just sounds um, masturbatory and... I already have a podcast. I don't need to do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, mercy. Simone, what is that ghost light you wish was left on for you when you started your career that you would leave on for the next generation? Oh,
1: dear Lord. Can you rem- remind me what the ghost thing was again?
0: Um, So the ghost thing is, what's that piece of advice you wish you had when you got started acting that you would give... To the people coming up behind you, following your footsteps, that young queen from Barbados.
1: Trust the timing. There's a way in which, and I think this goes for li- it goes for life in general, and it is now clearly applicable in my um, my life at present. But there is a way in which I planned i envisioned my life going a certain way Mm -hmm. um and it did not go that way like at all um and but here's the thing you know it is right now i feel like things are opening up for me things feel really good i feel really good um and so it's about trusting the timing. Like, you're never out of the game till you're dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also... I'm going to give two pieces of advice, guys. Absolutely. Maybe even three. Leave hold on on. all the lights. I know, I'm going to leave on all the lights. It's That's like right. a mansion here. Okay, That's hold beautiful. on. One second, Sam. Mm-hmm. Hold on, Sam. Okay, okay. let me let like go together. We've got solar panels. We're Thank fine. you. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and then the other thing is also... Like, and I would tell this to myself right now, because I even did this at this play and I'm realizing how detrimental it is for me to do. So I'm not going to do it in the next one. Mm. Stop comparing yourself. Mm. Stop comparing where you are. And, like, where people are at the the same time. Like, there are some people – like, when I – there are some people who come to the rehearsal already off book. And then I'll be all in my head, like, oh, my God, I'm not off book. They're off book. I've failed, you know. And, like, I do this whole thing. And, oh, my God, they've got their character figure out. All that stuff. Like, it doesn't actually – the rehearsal process is for you to play and your responsibility is to get off book when they tell you to get off book and to like have the character figured out by the time you need to have the character figured out. But the time before that, like spending that time comparing myself to other people and all of that stuff, like it really just sort of deflated me. And then I had to like reinflate myself to try to even get get going. So just just like not comparing yourself to other people's process because your process is unique because there's a way in which certain things may take less time for other people and then certain things that take very little time for you take more for them. So it just all kind of evens out mm. at its own you know, pace and also be okay with understanding That sometimes you're not as fast as other people in certain areas, and that's okay, too. But you can just show up, and even if you have to show up and do more work, that's okay. It's just, like, about the end game and the process and all of that stuff. And really, like, we are here to play, and ultimately, like, before I go on stage, I really just ask to be cleared of my ego, so that I can go out there and perform, and and give an honest portrayal to the audience of the characters so that they can have whatever the experience is that is like, for lack of a better word, ordained for them to have Mm -hmm. that is, that is intended for them to have. So I just ask to be the vessel. So the more you can just kind of get out of your way Mm -hmm. to have the experience because You know, there's a way in which I think I've looked at a lot of these things in my life. It's, oh, if I get this, and then I get this, and then I'll be here, and da-da-da-da. But it's never about where you get to. Anything that you have gotten, as soon as you get it, you're like, all right, dude, what's the next thing? Mm. And so there's something about enjoying, and it's so cliche, but like, dude, it is the same thing that comes back every single time. It's about enjoying the experience itself because those goal markers, the awards or the whatever it is and the, you know, the paycheck and the this and that, those things fade. And are you having fun in the experience? Are you present? Are you enjoying it? Are you allowing yourself to really be flexible and take risks? You know, I did that in this play I came in and I was, you saw me. I came in and I like stuffed my bra. I was like, I think Rebecca should have really big boobs, you know, or whatever it was. And like this, I was just playing around with mm. whatever it was and having an experience. And there was still a part of my brain that would be like, Simone, everybody's got their character down and you're still like messing around with these things and da da da. And then I would have to do my usual shut up, Simone, and then like do my thing. So I think it's just like, You know, think of yourself as, you know, how would you treat a five-year-old, you know? When you treat a five-year-old, like if you're a conscientious person, uh, you're dealing with a five-year-old, you know, niece or grandson or whatever it is, somebody that you care about, Mm -hmm. patience, patience is the key, and allowing them to play and express Because what are we doing this for? We're not, ultimately, if you're doing it, I think, I'll speak for myself, ultimately, if I'm doing this to get a particular paycheck, to arrive at a certain point or to get certain awards, this will be empty really fast. Mm. And it will not feel fulfilling. But if I'm doing this so that I can play, so I can have my hands in the clay, so I can mold it, so I can have this experience, so I can connect with people and journey with them in this sort of sacred experience that we have the opportunity to do. How amazing is it that we get to assume other people's experiences and in the assumption of those experiences then interact with other people who have assumed other people and just have this whole world. It's playtime. Yeah. You know, it's so beautiful. But if we forget the beauty and get caught up in, did I get the gig? Did I land this? Did anybody see me? Was anybody watching? What am I getting paid? How am I doing this? Is, am I going to get anywhere? All of that shit. Like, are we allowed to swear?
0: Um, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah.
1: okay. I'll just, yeah. I'll just, you went a little Dan, farther. get the
0: hell, get your hand out of my fucking backpack. <laughs> There's, we just, I just wanted to throw in some more swears. Sorry, everybody. He's, He's not, I didn't bring my backpack. I'm Uh, sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to accuse you of anything.
1: So, yeah, you know, and if we could just really uh, be, dig our hands into the clay of that experience, and that goes for life, you know? We take, one of the things I think about acting that's really cool, like every now and again, like the way I live my life is if I have an experience, usually a challenging experience or whatever, and there comes a point in my life where I get to share it with someone for, like, the benefit of them, you know, being better or avoiding that thing or Mm -hmm. having some sort of perspective or whatever, I automatically sort of, like, check off that experience. And I'm like, oh, dude, like, that was worth it that I went through that. And that's the thing, too, with acting. Like, some of these experiences that we have, we will get to draw on. We will get to use, you know. Maybe there will come a time where I will draw on, you know, that time when I was standing like next to my dad's bed as he as I could tell he was not going to make it. And that was the last time I was going to see him, you know, playing Engelbert Humperdinck for him because my mom told me that was his favorite music. And I watched how his whole his whole demeanor changed and he was moving his hands and he was having an experience and all of this stuff were like. You know, I when I was on the, the plane and the, the plane was taking off down the runway and I knew that was the last time I was going to see him alive and I couldn't stop time, I couldn't stop the plane, and I just – it was a metaphor for life. Like everything just keeps rolling, it keeps going, and you can't stop. All of that, you know, maybe I'll get to draw on that. I mean, I think I did draw on that a little bit for this play. But, you know, that these experiences that we're having, we also as actors – get to repurpose them Mm -hmm. you know not everybody gets that experience to really repurpose their experiences um and that's a beautiful thing and i just think it's really nice to do this podcast because i really haven't thought about acting in this kind of a way but um i am leaving here with a sense of gratitude for the craft that i really hadn't thought of Mm. um until until now Um, you know, I just know that I like doing it, Mm -hmm. but you know, it really is, uh, a, a a sacred experience that we get to share with our fellow castmates and with the audience members,
0: you know? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Simone. It's, those are, those are very, those are good ghost lights to leave on. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just, I'm just thinking about the way my day started, I was asked to give my college story to my school for the morning announcements. And I was like, I don't know what to say, but sure, I'll do it. I went to two schools. I didn't know who I was until I started being other people. It's a term I've used on here all the time. Mm. And I said that to a room full of seventh graders and one (laughs) sixth grader and my principal, um and i didn't think anything of it and then for the rest of the day teachers were like oh, that's a great story patted me on the back and stuff like that and you know that's that's really cool and you're absolutely right it is sacred we put we are the instruments by which we get to paint on a canvas or play music we are those instruments and the the only way to truly give an authentic Performance, presentation, open house, free Friday, whatever they're called. What is Mm -hmm. it? The first Friday? First Friday. Mm -hmm. Is to learn as much about ourselves as we possibly can and learn to love those things about ourselves. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 81 of the Ghost Lights podcast. The the guest on this Ghost Lights episode is Simone St. John. She is Rebecca Nurse, she is Tichuba. she is Francis Nurse in Miner's Alley's production of The Crucible, running from now until November 7th. I hope you will get your tickets. I hope you will join us, and I hope you will clap it up for this person when you see her, because damn it, she's a rock star. Dan, do the damn thing. <laughs> See, that's why. That's why whenever I'm on the back of uh, my main man's hog, I wear my leather pants. Ooh.